they did it. They they found some scale samples from the 1920s uh, at a museum, and they did a DNA study on them, and then they compared them with a with a tiny little run of fish that went into a tributary to one of the rivers, and they turned out to be the original Danish salmon, which was known known to be huge, you know, very 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 big salmon, <clears throat> and and uh, they started a, a restocking program on these fish. That was Klaus Freemore talking about how his home waters turn around with the Atlantic salmon fishery. This is the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, episode 127. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. We are headed to La Pescador this year for a huge uh, hosted saltwater trip with myself and a few of the Wet Fly Swing community. If you're interested in a saltwater trip uh, for the Big Four, go to wetflyswing.com slash Mexico, and I'll follow up, you, uh, follow up with you as quick as I can. In today's episode, I talk with Klaus Freemore, who breaks down uh, Scandi-style uh, casting and and talks about why many people don't understand quite um, what Scandinavian casting is all about. We find out how the underhand cast started, why the size of the fly is the number one uh, thing to be thinking about, and where some of current Scandi lines fall short. We get into a little on the Clearwater River, why he uses a 17-foot leader, and how Airflow made uh, such a big name for uh, themselves in the U.S. Don't miss this one as Klaus talks um, about talks to us about why many people don't quite understand his mentor uh, Gorn Anderson as well, and uh, so it's pretty good. This is a I think a pretty amazing episode. Hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Klaus Freemore. How's it going, Klaus? All good, all good. And yourself? Good, good. Yeah, thanks for coming on here. We, your name actually has been out there quite a bit. I've had uh, a few of my listeners that have reached out to me and said to get you on the show. You're, um, I searched. You know, you just Google up your name, and and a lot of stuff comes up on Scandi and you know casting and spay and all that stuff. So we're gonna get into all the, I guess, a focus on Scandi, maybe a little bit on the uh, the Clearwater River as well. But maybe you could talk a little bit about how you first uh, got into fly fishing. Oh yeah, I mean <clears throat> it's a long time ago. Um, basically, it was we, we we the family here, my mom and dad and my siblings. We had a we had a summer house uh, uh, in the western part of Denmark where um, there was a small lake, and we were we started out. I was probably I don't know six years old or something. Uh-huh. Started fishing with a float and a bait and stuff, and caught roach and perch and whatever, and then realized that. Um, they were rising in the summer nights, you know, and you could mm-hmm. you could catch him on an you know an imitation of a mosquito thingy, and uh, I uh, <laughs> stole my dad's I stole my dad's fly rod. He wasn't a fisherman really, oh, but wow. he had a few rods here and there. You know, he 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 liked uh, fishing for mackerel and that sort of thing. But he had an old fly rod, and I stole it <laughs> and, and tried to catch these things, and that's that's where it all started. And then I was. For many years, I was just fishing. Um, I did a lot of saltwater uh, fishing for yeah. sea run brown trout, and it was sort of um, a mix between fly fishing and 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 spinning. Okay. And then, then later on in early nineties, I remember I, I I was I just caught this beautiful sea run brown trout in a river on a little rapala and thought I should have caught that one on a fly rod, but <laughs> uh, realized that. 
if you don't fish with the fly, you don't catch them. So no. from that day, I, I swapped over and only fished fly rod. No kidding. How, how, old, how old were you when you switched over? Or it was all fly? Um, about 20. Oh, yeah. 18, 20. I can't yep. remember. Somewhere yep. in that area. So 20 and then, so you're out there and I mean, Denmark, I guess, you know, you're, I, I've had one other interview, uh, one guest, uh, Martin Jorgensen, who, um, you know, he's out there in your neck of the woods. He has the global fly fisher and, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, we, we chatted, had a good conversation and, um, yeah, he talked a little bit about sea run Browns and how you do it out there. And so how did the, I mean, did you get into Atlantic salmon pretty quick thereafter, you know, around that age? No, I mean. Yeah, we didn't have any salmon rivers in Denmark at the time. Well, we did, but there was very, very limited run of salmon. But uh, even before that, even before I switched over to the fly rod, I, I've been, I, I started fishing in Norway. Yeah, I can't remember what year it was, but it was way before I got my driver's license. So that was before I got eighteen. So oh, I probably wow. was sixteen or something. We started fishing in Norway, and um, I was again. It was a combination of. Uh, uh, spay rods and, 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 you know, spinning and stuff. And, uh, but definitely I read all the books and, you mm-hmm. know, so, so the fly rods were, were, were always, always, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with us. But, um, you know, back in the days we started, I remember we imported, uh, uh, flatten island, stonefly flatten island mm-hmm. from the U S yep. for, um, for running lines. And there was a, there was a, like a, uh, 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 what do you call that? Like a company that sold secondhand, or not secondhand, but uh, uh, second grade fly lines. All right. So we could buy second grade fly lines cheap, and we bought those and chopped them in half and made shooting heads out of them <laughs> and put this uh, flat mono uh, that we imported from the US and put that on as running line. And I guess we had no idea what we were doing, but uh-huh. you know. It was definitely easier than double taper. <laughs> well, yeah, no kidding. What what year was that when you were when you were twenty? I mean, this was probably when I was sixteen, yeah, seventeen, okay. or something. And so that must have been. I mean, I'm born in seventy one, so oh. you can do the math. Oh yeah, yeah, seventy one. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're just we're almost <laughs> about the same age. You're just a little older than me. So yeah, so you're yeah. we're kind of the same. I'm just trying to put it because we've talked a lot on this show about the the change in Skagit when that all started in the '80s, you know, whatever late '80s and stuff. So so you're kind of in that range, but you're over in uh, in Denmark and you're starting to kind of at the similar time in the '80s probably is when you started to to do this chopping of your own. Were you were you reading anything about what was going on over in the U.S. at the time? I mean, I used to go to the library and read the uh, Fly Fisherman. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they, back in those days, there was nothing written about Skagit and fly fishing. Oh, right. You no, know, that that was uh, that right. was more you know the traditional trout streams and whatever. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have anything. So you were in there. So you're kind of cutting up, learning about it. And, and so, what was the deal with the the traditional um, you know casting? Can you talk a little bit about just because you did? You had the double tapers and the long belly stuff that a lot of people seem to struggle with, right? But there were people doing it. Why? Why did you? Why do you think you never got into that traditional style? Or, or did you? Well, I did. Oh, you did? I did. Okay. I mean, yeah, because that was the only thing we could get at the time, you know, were long-bellied spay lines and or double tapers. But, you know, back when I was – when did I start fishing in Norway? It was like, well, probably 16 or something and, and, and couldn't afford any expensive beat where they hired somebody with a chainsaw to go and cut down the trees. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there wasn't room enough for a long double taper or, or – Oh, or, right. 
But, I mean, I'm not saying that I invented this stuff because later on in the early 90s, I bumped into the Swede Jörn Andersen, who was oh, yeah. and one of the founders of Luton. You know, and he, he, he was way ahead of us, of course, and, and, and described it all at the time. But, you know, we've been fiddling about with it about the same time as he did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're. But I'm not, not trying to take any credit sure. or nothing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because we just. We just tried to make it easier, right? And that was all it was about, you know. Gotcha. So when did, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the whole scan over here, you know, you just say Scandi, right? It's Scandi or Skagit. And Scandi, I guess, is, comes from the Scandinavian style. Can you talk a little bit about we have how, another name for it. Oh, what is it? What's that? <laughs> we have another name for the style, right? We call it underhand casting. Exactly. Yeah. And you call it under, so is that where the underhand casting, that that's more of a uh, name from your area over there? Yeah, I mean that was uh, because the the, the original uh, description of it was Jorn Anderson that wrote his book about it back in the nineties, and uh, he de- he defined it as underhand casting, and therefore I believe it should be named underhand casting because he was the first person ever to describe it. Right, and 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 um, so, so why and underhand? Why, why, why? Yeah, but it, that, that's a good question because it's it seems like underhand casting is because you use a lower hand, but it, it's the same thing when you're single hand. When you cast a single handed rod, you can do the same thing. It's the same thing. You know, it's the same casting stroke. Everything is the same, but the power application comes from your lower hand, hand with, yeah, your underhand with a spay rod, but it comes from your double hole with a single handed rod, right? So, so the right hand. Or, or the one that holds the rod, whether it's left or right hand, the the the, the hand or the the arm that that cast or that holds the rod yep. does the same motion, but power application is either from pulling or pushing the butt section on a spay rod or haul haul in the double hole with the single handed rod. Right. Gotcha. So so that that's the whole fundamental of the of the of the underhand uh, idea. Yep. And that's part of what's been forgotten and misunderstood in the whole concept because it's not a casting. For, for the way I was taught this, because I, I started, I, I did like 50 casting clinics with urine because I started working in a fly shop where we did all these cl- clinics with urine. Okay. And, it's, and de- did salmon schools. And I fished oh. every summer. I probably fished up towards five weeks every summer with, with urine in Norway. Uh, up through the nineties, and, uh-huh. and and for me, it's a it's calling it a casting style is is not a hundred and or it's not entirely correct. It's a, it's a it's a different way of thinking fly casting huh. more than it's more than it's a a specific style. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, yeah. So you can't. So it's not just are you a Scandi caster or are you a Skagit caster or are you do you use Scandi lines or Skagit? Right. That's what it, that's what we all you always hear over here. It's not really that. It's a yeah, whole yeah. it's a whole different way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Because Scandi lines can be. I have Scandi lines that, and we caught those already back in the in the 90, early nineties. We caught lines that were. Now I'm a metric guy, right? So yeah. they were like a 14 foot nine weight for the big salmon rivers in Norway, but they, but the lines were only eight meters. So what's that? 24, 24 feet? feet. Yep. So it's pretty short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But then again, I had, I had some lines that were much longer from my 15 footer that were up to, uh, nearly 40 feet. Uh-huh. Uh, but it all, 
So that, this is what I'm talking about. It's yeah. the way of thinking. It's it's the line. It's the same line weight pretty much over a over, but it's not like a scheduled line where you go way above. Way, the, uh, yeah, way th- like the garden hose thing. Exactly, but here it's more like you you have two or three lines for your rod that fits into different uh, yep. uh, situations or places on the river you're fishing. Right, right? or sizes of fly or, or weight. Yeah, or size of fly or weight. Yeah, exactly. And then I had different front tapers on my lines as well. I had some with a very short front taper, and then I had some with a longer front taper. Yep. Depending on, uh, exactly like you said, depending on the fly. Yeah, that's cool. So, so basically, yeah. So that, that, and if somebody wanted, you mentioned the book by um, uh, Jorn. Uh, can you pronounce? Is it Jorn Anderson? Jorn Anderson. Yeah, Jorn yeah. Anderson. Um, and he's <laughs> obviously a big name. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a huge name. A lot, you know, most people probably have heard of him. Is I mean, he's got a, a good. Re- Are there other? What would you recommend if somebody wanted to learn about this, about this whole history, or is there something out there people could uh, kind of check out? I mean, there, uh, his book is not available anymore. It's only printed in uh, in Swedish. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to find. There's so many variations over the style nowadays, but yeah, and, and most of them are actually incorrect, or not most of them, but a lot of them are incorrect. Yeah. Um, I saw. Um, did uh, give somebody a, a bit of credit? I saw uh, what's his name? Uh, is it Spade Jedi or something? Oh yeah, Line Speed Jedi. I was just talking to him this morning. Yeah, Line Speed Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a he did a pretty good. Um, he did a pretty good. Uh, even though his lake was iced over, but uh, yep. I liked his uh, I liked his uh, uh, presentation on the on the Scandi style, which that, was pretty sweet. That's awesome. I, I'll put a link to the show in the show notes to that. I love that you mentioned his name because, um, yeah, Tim and I are kind of good, uh, pretty good friends, just kind of online friends. But, um, he, he actually, I asked him, I said, you know, if I told him you were coming on and I said, what, what question would you ask? Um, you know, what he have for you? And he said, um, he said, to ask you about the, uh, the limits of underhand casting. Are there, are there any, li- what are the limits? Does anything come to mind when you think of that? No. Well, <laughs> well, it depends. Uh, so, I've been philosophizing a lot about this uh-huh. with uh, Skagit versus Scandi and traditional spay versus everything else, right? And and to me, it's a, it all comes down to what type of fly you're using. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So let me put it this way: when I fish, just for the ease of it, let's let's just say here. I fished for Atlantic salmon in Norway. That's what I grew up doing, and that's what I've been doing for many, many years. Yep. We fished short shooting heads. We could cast 90 degrees across the river, fish the fly quick, and we would fish rather big flies. Hmm. When I say rather big, it could be, yes, depending on the, uh, the, the the light and the temperature and the water level and everything. But we could we fished everything from big sunray shadow tubes that might be 10, 15 centimeters long, and sometimes, depending on the current, down to the size 10 double or something right yep then i went to uh, i went to scotland and fished and um i uh first time i ever went to scotland and i met the gillies and i brought my i knew we were supposed to fish small flies so i bought my 10s and 12s that i the smallest one i used to fish in norway and they looked at my fly box and they said they're way too big <laughs> and I, I mean they, and this was even in this was much earlier in the season this was probably in april or something uh-huh. um but so it came to my mind that 
when you fish for a line of salmon, you, you the slower you fish your fly, the smaller fly you need to fish. The, mm. you, you have to fish, right? Yep. Uh, the quicker you can fish it, the bigger fly you can allow yourself to fish. And 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 looking at the tradition in Scotland with the longer bellied spay line, they can't angle those ninety degrees because the, the back cast does. You know, the no, delude is too will be too deep. Yeah, so it's so more they would forty-five. Cast 45 and fish the fly much more uh, slower um so therefore they fish much more flies than we did because it's the same fish it's the same water ah. clarity it's probably the same temperature these fish grew up in north atlantic at the same spot <laughs> you know and it's it's all the same so there must be something that differs the fly size there you go so basically based on the fly size that's the reason the du- the big tub- double taper you know old traditional guys used small flies they just couldn't cast a big fly roy you look at the. You look back in the days; they would fish very big, uh, single, mm-hmm. single hooks, right? But that was different days, and I'm not saying I have I have found the exact reason why, but it it gives a, it it, it, it makes me understand why the size of flies differs. So brings me back to the steelheading, where you don't have in the U.S. a tradition for full sinking lines. No, and so. To get your fly down, you would have to use big intruders with dumbbell eyes and lead wire and all that kind of stuff. So in order to cast those, you had to have a line that would turn those over, uh, yep. which means that you need a very heavy line to do it. And that's where the gadget came in, right? And also turn over heavy sink tips. Yep. And, and with Scandi style, we have full sinking heads, but they might only be 20... Five, twenty-nine, thirty feet long, depending on on the rod we use. Mm-hmm. But they would be, you know, sink six, sink yeah. eight. Uh, but the whole line is sinking. Yeah, exactly. So it's getting down there. So it's getting down anyway. Yeah. But it's a. It, then we fish much lighter flies on a short leader. On a short lead, like a like a four foot leader or something like that. Five foot leader. Yeah. But a light tube fly. And a light tube fly. So the fly is off the bottom, right? The line might be yeah, might sure. bouncing off the bottom, but the fly is hanging up. So so it's so it's the fly that determines what style you would use. So when you say if the Scandi limits has any or the Scandi style has any limits, yeah. You yeah. cannot cast giant dumbbell fly on, on the lines necessarily, but you don't need to. No, you don't need to, that's right. I, mm-mm. But I so when I'm not trying to because there's a lot of people that think I'm downgrading Skadid and, and, yeah. and talking crap about it, which I'm not because I totally get it. I, I do fish it myself every now and then. Yep. Because we actually started doing that back in the days. We fish sink tip lines here <laughs> 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 because that's what it is. Sink tip lines, and they're great if you're gonna fish a fly in a, in 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 waters with a lot of in, in you know pocket water exactly. with a lot where of rocks and yeah where you stuff. can't drag your your full sinking line exactly yeah exactly so everything has its place yeah. at the right time so on the so so on the that's one thing on the line or on the fly so if you're using a big you know giant whatever a huge intruder or a big dumbbell thing so you could you can't really fish that with a, a scan a, a line that you're talking about with the scandy lines necessarily or, or could you guys I could. Oh, you could? Because I could take a line and cut it down to extremely short and overweighted a little bit like the Skagit style. So I could make myself a Skagit. Because a lot of my Skagit lines, I cast underhand style anyway. 
you know, I don't set oh, yeah. it up with a T or circle C or anything. I gotcha. You know, and I and the way I see it is that Skagit is morphing more towards Scandi line weights anyway. Yeah, that's what I've heard out there. I, I mean, I, I've done a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm definitely no pro, but yeah, it sounds like it, you, we're going back to you know we went real heavy Skagit. Now people are starting to maybe go back into more Scandi. Well, you know, we're, I'm calling it Scandi stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's always the evolution as things change. Do you see, I'm just thinking of myself again, I've got the Skagit for the winter steelhead. You know, if I'm on a summer, like the Clearwater we we're talking about, right? You're going to fish a, a lighter, some small size six, really small flies. So you're going to, Scandi works perfect out there. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, as far as the liming, the company wise, I think I've been using Airflow. I mean, is there a company that you, maybe we could talk about here that you use and we can kind of describe a couple of different lines? No, I mean, so so you've probably been using the 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 airflow. Uh, uh, what is it called? Not the raid. Well, that no, that's the well, that's the thing is that I I've always been. I actually started out my whole history. I've talked about this, but I've always been a single-handed steelhead fisherman. You know, forever, right? Huh? So I got into I got into the spay thing a little bit late, but so I'm kind of you know I'm in it now. But um, I was using a Scandi line that a friend gave me, right? And it was just a light, you know, just like it is. I don't even I'm not even sure which one it was, but it was pretty light scanny line i used it on the deschutes for summer steelhead but i was i interviewed tom larimer who was like you know you got to check out the rage so i checked out the rage and it does make it easy it's good for wind but now what is the do you know the rage and how what, what do you think that line i mean that's kind of in the middle between a skagit and, is it more a scandy or more a skagit i don't know i mean it's not one of my yeah i know i fished a little bit with a rage and they're okay i mean i, I personally don't yeah, particularly like the front taper on them, but but uh, the the airflow had a light blue one that they discontinued last year. That's the one I had. Light. That's the one I had. Before. That's a great. One. I mean, they're 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 great. And they have a good length, and you know because you don't not, but you, it it's all also if you like I try to I tend to wade as little as possible. You know, I like yeah. to stand close to the bank because a lot of the steelhead hangs around the bank, and right. which means you can keep your fly swinging all the way in instead of standing out and let your fly hang on the dangle, which I don't have patience for too much. Yep. <laughs> Swing it all the so, way in. Exactly. So if you're close to the bank and, and that means that you're higher up above the water. So the rage sometimes becomes too short if you're fishing like 13 or whatever rod you're fishing, but that's sort of the typical length on the clear water, right? 13, 14 oh, it feet. Is. Yeah. Right? I gotcha eight weights or whatever people are fishing and some even go even higher, you know, oh, some wow. fish six and stuff, uh, which I never do, but yeah, yeah. And, uh, but so the rates can become a little bit too short, but that old airflow, uh, I yep. can't remember what was it. I, was I it called? I don't remember either, but I remember that was definitely the line I had before. I still have it. And I, you know, I stopped using it because like in the wind I struggled, right? That was always a struggle for me is like the shoots has a lot of wind and I just, I sometimes, you know, I couldn't punch it out there very well. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that was the line. Is there, are there any other tips? I mean, as far as, you know, if we get into the Scandi, can you describe the actual cast? Is it just a single spay? I mean, what, what is the underhand cast? Um, <laughs> a lot of people would, when they see it, will call it a single spay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that. Um, but it's done differently. It's all done with the lower hand. I mean, you push you, you when you when you when you set up your D loop, you just push your lower hand out 
and then when you cast forward, you just pull that lower hand back to your hip again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the difference. And 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 that that's where the the thought process comes into this. Uh, your line cannot be too long. It cannot be too heavy, and you need a certain rod action to do this. Uh-huh. So it all it's all interacting, right? Because yeah. this is because it, it it's all about casting uh, with the shortest possible casting stroke. That means that you have to load the rod to a maximum. That means you have to have a rod action that loads fairly easy, uh, given the casting weight that you're casting. So you let, let's 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 stay on that track then. So if you're if somebody you know they're get they want to get in you know they're not a great caster with the lighters you know they're good with gadgets because gadgets are heavy they could shoot out there but any tips you would give somebody if they want to get a little bit better at casting those lighter kind of scandy type lines or the underhand cast i mean for me the way i see it and this is where some people have misunderstood me and and when i talk about gadget and 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 that that and when i say misunderstood i seriously mean misunderstood because i get this gadget idea and I, i i totally understand the fact that you sometimes need it but as a general casting style, I don't think it's a good idea because a skagit with a floating tip or an intermediate tip is not very effective. No. Nope. And so, and this is my point, is that when you're fly casting is all muscle memory. And, and if you change something, it's like writing your name with your right hand. If you practice it enough, you can do it with your left hand. Or you can brush your teeth with your left hand yeah. if you know do it with the right hand. It feels awkward in the beginning, but at, at some point, at, at some time, you'll get it. Hmm. That's that's my point with this with the skagit. If you if you're summer steelheading on the clear water at the shoot, you won't cast the skagit line with a floater tip. Right? No, no. You you would cast a more traditional. Uh, uh, maybe a scandy line or something. And yep. then when you get into the winter fishing, you'll have to change your casting style or your casting stroke. And that means you have to change your, 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 your muscle memory. Right. And, you, but, and, and your body doesn't like changing anything. You know, it wants to do what it always does. Right. Yep. So, so the scandy style, and this is my point, and this is not to talk bad about the gadget or anything, but the fact is that when you're casting a full sinking head or you're casting a floating head with the Scandi style, it's always the same. It's the same. So you don't – it's the same casting stroke. It's the same lift. There's a tiny difference on the timing in, in the pause that you have when you set your anchor, but mm-hmm. it's not enough to disturb your muscle memory. So at – so it might be harder. It's harder to learn the Scandi style, but once you get it, it's yeah. easier to do. You can do everything. You know, it doesn't matter. You That's know, awesome. and, and what whatever line you're casting is the same thing. That's awesome. And you can. So that, that's. That's my point between Skagit and, and, and Scandi style. Yeah, that, no, that makes a ton of sense. And that's probably, I mean, that's a struggle for me. I know that I'm out there, you know, with the Skagit, I'm thinking Skagit. And yeah, it's, it's a totally different thing. You can't go out there and do a snap T. I mean, you can, you know, you can do a snap T and try to cast a Scandi line, but it's just not what it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't go out correctly. But so, so that makes a lot of sense. I mean, so if somebody was going to do that, they had that line, say they had one of those, you know, airflow or whatever line that had, it was a Scandi style line and they're on the river. I mean, what, what if you're on the opposite side? So I guess it's still the, the, the single spay. Um, but again, that's something I struggle with is getting that cast out there, especially when there's brush behind me. How, how do you do that? Do you just cast more at that 45 when you're making your swing or, or can you cast more straight? If you're, 
you cast both hands when you're just spray casting, right? Oh, uh, that's the, I, I know you should. I, I actually, I'm not quite at that level yet. <laughs> no, I need, but, I need I to mean, get on the river. With, I need to get on the river with you so you could uh, teach me some just stuff. Have to, yeah, but it's all about, like I say, it's all about muscle memory. If you yeah. do it often enough, you can learn how to write your name with the other hand. And yeah. You can learn how to fly cast if you force yourself. And I know some people, for some people it's easier and for some it's, it's, it's more difficult to use the left or whatever. Yeah. But, typically people are right-handed so if they start casting left-handed it's difficult for me it was extremely difficult and i have to practice every time i get back on a river but i force myself to fish that side yep just just to pick it up again exactly and like a friend of mine he said how do you do it and i just say you do it opposite of what you're doing the other side and he said like this and made the perfect perfect (laughs) right first time so for some people it's easy and and for me it was a lot harder but but that's you know, it's it's all about just keep doing it. And then what I try when I'm teaching people is that then when you're fishing, if you take your rod in your right hand after you made your cast, your body forgets what, you know, so your muscle memory is off again. So you have to keep the rod in your left hand all the time. Hmm. And that might mean that you miss a fish or two or something, but that's the way it is. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, because as soon as you take the rod out of your left hand, it forgets what it was supposed to do, and then you put it back again, and you're just as confused as the first cast you made. No kidding. Keep the rod in that left hand all the time, even when your reel will be on the opposite side potentially for if you get yep. a fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Uh, that's a good tip. Uh, that's normally not a problem when you steal that fish, right? It, it's not. No, in fact, I grew up, my, my brothers were left-handed when I was a kid, you know, they still are, but I grew up using some of their, their stuff. So I always reeled, I grew up reeling the opposite way. It was funny. I had to teach myself to reel the, the normal way <laughs> with a single hand, <laughs> with a single hand rod. So, okay, this is good. I think we're digging into some stuff here. I mean, this is obviously, um, you know, some, some good I mean, I think for me, what I need to do, probably a lot of people is like you said, they just need to get out there and do more practicing and, and get, use both hands, which is a funny thing. We were asking, I threw a thing out in the Facebook group, um, you know, our Facebook group and asked them, you know, who had some Skagit or some spay casting tips and, you know, one of them threw that out. You know, no, I asked him, what was the best tip you've ever been given for spay casting? And, uh, and somebody said, use both hands. I, if, if you had, if I asked you that question, what, what are some of the best tips you were ever given with spay casting? What, what, would you have a few? Um, I mean, did you learn, did you learn, it sounds like you kind of learned yourself, but did you have any mentors or anybody that, that kind of taught? Oh you? yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I, 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 okay. So the story behind me and Jaron Anderson, oh, right. because I was, I was running around back here in Denmark and catching uh, a huge amount of sea run brown trout in the rivers. And I thought I was the world champion of fly casting On and spay? fly fishing. This was using the no, that, Well, it was, uh, it was sort of, it was a uh, your, your spay your your own yeah well call it it was a pre you know pre switch rod it was like an 11 foot uh, five six weight hardy oh, okay with an extended fighting butt on it so you, you could use it as a small switch or a small spay rod but uh in those days we just called it a long single lander <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice but anyway so i met I was I started working in this tackle store and 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 I remember my first day uh, uh, at the new job was on Easter Saturday, 
And back in those days, it was a big tradition of fishing for Easter salmon in Denmark, despite that there was no salmon, but <laughs> it was a tradition anyway. Uh, and I had to go and attend this casting clinic with Jorn Anderson. I was very much against it because I was like, what the heck can that drunken Swede teach me? Oh, Roy, but, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> because, I, you know, you're young, cocky, and you think that you know everything. And uh, yeah. was I in for a surprise? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So he could teach me a thing, uh, you know, a thing or two, and and then I, I was in charge of the casting clinics with Euron for the rest of the time in the shop there. So huh. I probably had, probably had a lot, about fifty of them or something, you know, huh. where I was, I was in the class and I was casting, and you know, I wasn't being taught all the time, you know, because he didn't bother looking at me all the time. But you, you know, so I had a I, he was my mentor, you could say, right? So I, I basically that was my introduction to the to the underhand style and 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 he has i was just in japan doing a, a presentation and there down there he's like uh, hugely popular and he's been there many times and, uh-huh. and did clinics and presentations and stuff and so i went and, and um, like i told the 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 audience there that of course i was taught by Euron and, and and like you know like and they know him of course but during the years, you know, we all develop our own little niche styles, and you know, I, I yep. don't look like you, and I'm a little bit taller, and I don't have the, the same posture and hmm. you know body size and stuff. So, and and my fishing is slightly different than than his. You know, he's been fishing Norway and stuff. And I fish a lot of Iceland and all right, and of course the water and stuff. So, so everything you know changes your style a little bit, but 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 overall, it's pretty much the same. But yeah. Uh, is he still? Funny, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. He's still, he's still going strong. Yeah, he's still going strong. And 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 the loop. Can you talk a little bit about the the loop story? Is I guess that's where you kind of connected. Was loop going strong at that point when you were doing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they've been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, they started out. And, uh, what was it? I can't remember. Long, long time. Uh, back in the eighties or whatever they oh, started, right? right? Yeah. And and back in the days, we that shop I used to work in in Denmark because in those days, Loop were a distributor for Sage in Scandinavia. Oh wow! And, um, that single shop I worked in, we sold somewhere. I, I think it was like eight hundred Sage rods and blanks a year. No kidding. And and about one thousand fly lines from Loop for- a year. Wow. From, and, and what is loop? What do you think if you said to say what they do best n- nowadays, what, what is their product that, that, that is their, you know, their best product? If you had to pick. Yeah. One. I mean, I, I do all the rod design. So of course I have to say yeah, yeah. The rods. <laughs> That's right. So you are the, yeah, you're the rod. So you're the main uh, designer of all the, the space stuff. Also the single handed stuff. Yeah. And, and, oh, and the single handed stuff. This is, this is cool. God, this is, this is a great thing. I just had, um, uh, you, you know, uh, Mariusz from echo. Marius, um, uh, I always I I screw up his last name, but he designs the Echo rod, the Echo Spade rods. He works for the the Wild Salmon Center too, I guess. But I chatted with him a while back, and he was talking about how, yeah, just some of the interesting things about the design process and things like that. I mean, that that's we, we're not going to have enough time to dig into to all the design, but can you talk a little bit about? I mean, how, who was designing the rods before you got there? Sure. Anderson. Oh, he was. So, so he's still, yeah, he, you've just taken that and he's doing some other, I, I guess. Still well, then, then I, I, I took over and then I split from loop for a couple of years and went back, uh, went over and worked for guideline. Oh, for guideline. Um, yep. Yep. 
And um, then I came back again after a few years, and then there was a guy called Thomas that did some rod design, um, and he he's not there anymore. So now, so now it's only me. So gotcha. the latest. The latest seven-sided seven X rods, the heptagon rods, were all my designs. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's it. And and you guys also do. I mean, you've got reels too, right? You kind of have you've got it all, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Lines and stuff, Line, yeah. everything. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, I I've been kind of around the fly fishing game for quite a while. I remember you guys because my dad had a little fly shop way back in the eighties and stuff. And when I was a kid, well, same, you know, that eighties period. I remember Loop because you guys were around then, around the shop. I remember talking about it and stuff and i didn't really know much about it but i mean loop's been around for a while you guys have been in the u.s and i mean what, what has that been challenging How, how's that been i mean it's, i'd imagine you guys i don't know what's going on in europe and stuff but are you a bigger market over you know do you have more sales over there or over here or how's that, all that look i mean we have a great distributor in the u.s right now down in idaho down oh, in Chile, yeah okay. and they're doing a great job and Yep. And uh, and that's that's been for all European companies that try to, to break through to in break America. Through. It's always been finding the right uh, distribution channel. Yep. And with uh, Shane Wooten and Gary Barnes down in Idaho, it's been they've been really, really, really good at it. There you go. So, yep. so uh, and of course having the right inventory in the U.S. Because uh, now I spent quite a lot of time, as you know, in the U.S. and. And and it's 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 a different market, and a lot of the European companies doesn't understand the U.S. market, all how right. niche it is, you know. Yep, yep. All this all this stuff, like even down to the, you know, like the trout spay, right? I, I've seen you're doing some stuff on trout spay too now, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But also, I mean, just the just the single handed fishing. I mean, when when I used to think about. Uh, trout fishing in the U.S., you know, it was like Henry's Fork, and it was dry flies only, and right. you know. <laughs> and 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 then I went to the to the Missouri River and I saw this drift boat coming down the river with five guys in it and there was orange bobbers all around <laughs> the boat. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, so there's, there's, not, there's not many bobbers over in Europe. No, but I mean, the way we think of trout fishing in the U.S. here is not at all what it is today. You know, it's today is nymph fishing most of it, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Bobbers are indicators yeah. over Yeah. Yeah, that too, but that's also quite big here in Europe. But, but the fact that you fish with a thingamabobber yep. and, and, and some lead shots and a couple of nymphs on there is not at all what you think when you say trout fishing in the U.S. No. So, so just to give you a little example of what, what the difference is, and then, then you get into the trout space stuff where you try to cast a, 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 a basically a, a musky fly for brown trouts with a, with a three-weight. Yeah, exactly. No, that's not easy to do, right? Oh, but that's why that most companies on their three weights, they line weight them, or they, they, the swing weight is like a, it's like a four foot six weight. Oh, right. So you call them three weights, but what you should do when you, when you look at trout space, you should actually look at the recommended swing weight. Huh? Yep. Don't look, don't, don't look at the AFTM rating on them because AFTM ratings and switch rods doesn't exist. Oh, no. wow, right, right. So it's, um, do you look at the grain weight? Is that, mm-hmm. yeah, just look at the yeah. grain weight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because you, yeah. you're, you're pretty much agreed on the, on the, on the, on the grain windows for single-headed and real spay rods. Yeah. There's sort of a common uh, understanding of what it should be. When it comes to switch rods, it's the Wild West. Yep. 
Yep. And do you think Switch, I've heard a little bit of that Switch, you know, it was the big talk and it seems like some people are saying maybe the companies are going away. They're not even calling them Switch anymore. It's just either a two-handed rod or is it still, is Switch still the, the, the name that's out there, you think? If they are, there are micro spay or mini spay or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Right? They're not either a single or double, but uh, for me, they are, they are small uh, two-handed rods, but the, but the, um, they, the, yeah. I think it's it, the problem is the line weights, right? The, or the, yeah. the, the green. Weights, well, that's right? the thing, and that's the thing I think that's wrong is that when you think switch, you think, or at least I used to think, you know, okay, I'm gonna, I get the switch rod, I'm going to use it for doing skagit casting or scandy, and then I'm going to switch over and cast it overhand. But you really don't, Roy. You, you're not necessarily. It seems like you don't really cast them overhand, do you? Like a switch rod, isn't it mostly a spay type of cast? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so. There are many tenders, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- that's the thing. I think most people, at least, used to think it was like a switch meant something. But anyways, no. I think this is we again. We got a, you know lots of topics we can dig to, dig into. I wanted to bring it back. You know, we were talking about the Scandi, and maybe we can just go back to the Clearwater because that was a river that. Um, you know, I, I definitely I've talked to people, and I, I've never I actually haven't fished yet. I, I want to get out there, but. It's an amazing river. It's got amazing history. Obviously, the runs have been impacted over the years and stuff. But can you take us to the Clearwater? You, it sounds like you do some guiding over there and just put us oh, on the no, Clearwater. I, I don't guide there. I'm not allowed to. Oh. I, can, I own uh, a share in an outfitter's license. Oh, okay. You don't guide. <laughs> I'm not allowed to guide. So, But I sometimes do jump in the boat and teach uh, with one of my guides. Gotcha. And, yeah, you can't guide you because know, you need to get a – yeah, yeah, I hear you. Okay, so but but you're out there. You've been on the river and stuff. And so if you're oh, yeah. if somebody's going out there and you're teaching somebody or somebody, you know, it, it's a pretty big river, right? I mean, you're are you making for the most part long casts? Uh, it sounds like you're fishing in close to the bank too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's funny with the Clearwater. It has a tradition of these long long rudders, as they're called over there, right? So fifteen, sixteen, even seventeen foot rods and. And, and and 120 foot heads and you yeah. know competition style and there's a school of that on the Clearwater, but it's a it's it's you know so going back to the because this brings me back to the line design again so yeah if you have a if you have a, a, a head that may be i don't know let's just say 70 or 80 foot long and it has to weigh within a certain swing weight for yep. a grain weight for a for a for a for a rod sure. it means which means that the length and the weight in combination makes the the taper, the front taper, rather skinny on these lines, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the clear water, especially in the in the in the in the early autumn, you often have these uh, quite strong upstream winds, which makes it really difficult to turn these things over. Yep. And um, <laughs> hmm. so I quite often see people they cast and it all lands in a big Exactly. That's my. That's what happens to me on the. That, that, that's why I went to the. That's why I went to the rage because because Tom was and like, you probably you probably faced a monofilament and running line on them, right? I do now. Yeah, on that one, I do. Yep. Exactly. I use, I use the Rio. Yeah, Rios, whatever theirs is. Yeah. Yep. So that gives you that. Well, say that gives you no turnover, and it's the same with the long belly spay lines if or the long heads with the mono running line on. I'm not saying everybody. I know. You know, one of my my head guide or previous head guide, Zach Williams, who also did, does the competition stuff. He's an amazing caster, and yep. really good at the, the 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 long the long rods and the long lines. And of mm-hmm. course, he can cast better than most. 
uh, but he's a he's one of one of few, right? Yeah. And um, so, in general, I would say that the long lines are much much harder to cast. But there's 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 a school of of that on the clear water, and of yeah. course, when you fish smaller flies like we do, you know, small. I, I fish quite a lot of small tubes. And, oh yeah. And uh, and of course, I also do the traditional uh, uh, space space yeah. style flies. And but you know, in, in September, a lot of it is, is size. Small. Eight, ten, yeah, exactly. Yeah, stuff because they're you buggy. Know. They're they're getting they're turning like into trout, back into trout a little bit. Yep. Yeah, they are. That's cool. They are, but but later on they 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 behave like steelhead again. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, yeah, but it's also <clears throat> the clear water is also a little bit. I fish the Deschutes and I fish the Metal and I fish a bunch of stuff, but. For me, the clear water is it's like two rivers in one. Once you get above Orofino or above Dorshak, you know you have the <clears throat> you have uh, the upper part of the the middle fork of the clear water right? Uh-huh. <coughs> it's like half the size of the lower part. All right. And once you get once you get in through October, the water temperature drops and the fish moves up there. It's a whole different ball game, you know. It's yep. small, intimate, and there you go. You know, more defined. And uh, especially on the upper part of it, a lot of it you can fish with a single hander. Oh, right. it's, it's pretty cool. That's cool. So those guys, so the rods. So so the, you were saying those guys using the really long, the long belly stuff. Is that pretty much what? If you think of your traditional long belly back in Scotland, is that pretty much the same stuff they're using? Yep, same yep. stuff. So they are also pretty much they pretty much wear the same hats as well. <laughs> Do they, Roy? <laughs> That's all. <laughs> That's hilarious. So they're all decked out. They're like in costume. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only thing they need is the is the is Smoky is, is a white shirt and a, a oh yeah, it's white shirt and a tie and, and a ghillie a jacket and a ghillie. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! <laughs> I got to get out there just for that to be out there. Feel like you're, I you know, I haven't been to Scotland yet either, but you know what I mean. Bring it back, feel like you're over there. So okay, so these guys are doing like traditional stuff, and then. But the stuff you do, obviously, you know, this, and really when you, like I said at the start, Scandi versus Skagit, really the Scandi, when I think of Scandi, when people say it, they're talking about the Scandi, the stuff that you developed, the, the shorter stuff that's basically like a Skagit, it's shorter, but it's just thinner, right? It's lighter. Lighter. Yeah, so it's automatically, automatically it'll be thinner. Yeah, it's lighter, it's thinner, it's all that, so... Yep. And, and, um, yeah, and again, like on the casting, it is hard to, to talk about it, um, you know, get into tips and stuff. So I'll put some videos that I know you've got a few videos out there, stuff you've done. Do you, do you have any resources stuff? I mean, is it mostly like YouTube videos or anything that, that you've done where we could point people to, to take a look at or, or read? We've done a, we've done a couple of shows with seasons on the fly from Iceland. Okay. Um, well, there's a bit of casting in there, but uh, otherwise, there's uh, there's some of the YouTube videos from North Forty and them. Oh, stuff right. That, uh, especially the North Forty videos. I they they put some presentations out where I talk a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And and so now you're and so right now you're in uh, Denmark. But what does your year look like? Do you? I know I saw you at the show. You're at the Sandy. You know the Spay Clave and stuff. Do you kind of travel? Yeah. Are you always traveling? Yeah, I mean, so I was in Japan in December, did a presentation there. Uh, I was in the U.S. from in October to mid-November because I try I left before they decided to close the river, hmm. and uh, so I was hanging up. I was hanging out there in Idaho with our 
distribution center and oh, did that's some right. work. They closed it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they closed it this year, so uh, so yeah. I didn't go. I didn't get to go fishing there at least. So I went trout fishing instead. But yeah, um, yeah, and then you know came back early December, went to Japan. Uh, was you know so I do a lot of traveling. You know, it's yeah. There was a big salmon salmon atlantic salmon symposium in iceland last week i had to attend to and oh wow you know do you love the traveling uh, well you get enough at some point yeah <laughs> so you do get tired of it you're not you know you're not just loving every every second of the i think uh, i asked simon i had simon was on way back early on in this show and I asked him the same question and I can't remember his, I'll have to put a link to it with his answer, but it was kind of like, you know, he, same thing, you know, he enjoys it. He, he enjoys talking to people and stuff, but at a certain point it does eventually, you know, you, you do get a little tired. Yeah. But I, I mean, I still do my guiding in Iceland all summer. Oh, wow. I, I spent like two and a half months or two months in Iceland guiding. Oh, cool. And that's, um, wow. that's, that's not the same as traveling because there you stay, I don't stay at the same river, but you know, I know I've been doing that for 18 or 19 years oh, now. Man. So, and it's, it's, you know, that's, that's great because you, you know, you're at the same spot. I have my, I have my own car up there. So no kidding. You know, well, so I just drive around and guide from river to river. So it's what, pretty cool. What is Iceland, you know, for somebody who hasn't been to Iceland, compare that to say the Clearwater. Is is there any comparison? It's like, 10 times more expensive oh, other than that other, other than the, <laughs> the price <laughs> just, just like the natural the natural kind of i know we're talking steelhead versus atlantic salmon but it yeah, is but the rivers are, the rivers are tiny right? oh, they're, they're tiny. small yeah compared to the clear water they're tiny yeah yeah yep um you know there's a couple of rivers in iceland that's uh, the same size as the middle fog of the clear water in in in, in low to gotcha. normal water level right yeah. and they're the biggest rivers in iceland most of most of the rivers are less than one third of it you know so yeah so there's there, we fish a lot of single-handed you know five weight six weights for atlantic salmon five six seven weights gotcha and okay. then some rivers have some rivers have a tendency of uh, you know depending on where they are <clears throat> especially on the west coast you often have a strong strong upstream wind uh, sorry, on the east coast. Um, so oh, right. they're so they're small, you know, small spay rods like twelve foot six weights or mm-hmm. twelve and a half seven weights are great just to punch through the wind. Yeah, that's. But it's tiny, tiny, tiny flies. I mean, there we're fishing size. Sometimes if when the water is low, it's you know we fish trebles, small uh, treble hooks. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, why, why the treble hook? Because you can't get a, a, a single or double hook strong enough when you get down to size twenty. Oh, right. Oh, 20. So you're using, and we're talking, this is for salmon? Yep. You're tiny, using, you're using tiny size little, 20s. Size 20 partridge size. I'm just actually sitting right these days tying my stock for for Iceland. Wow. And we're talking like 16, 18, That's crazy. And 20s. That's crazy. So these are, I mean, again, we're not going to dig deep into the Atlantic salmon stuff. It's just, we don't have enough time here, but it's interesting. I'm actually doing kind of a, a, some fly tying episodes and I've been chatting with some different people and companies. And so this is a unique thing. I mean, you're, I haven't even heard of this. So, so this makes sense though. So the treble hook, and then how does that with the hookup, are there any issues with the releasing the, or do you, you have to release all the fish? Ah, well, it, it it depends what river you're on, but yeah. you know, I I don't see I, I for me, okay. I used to run a lodge in Argentina for loop, 
down in uh, for Ceylon Browns down in Patagonia. Yep. yep. And I saw higher mortality from fishing single hooks than I do in Iceland from fishing. There turtles. you go. There you go. So, and that's because when you hook a, down in Argentina, we fish these beadhead nymphs, right? And, and on a single hook, maybe let's say a size eight uh, yep. uh, trout hook with a beadhead on, and you hook a 18, 16, 15, 16, 18 pound fish Jeez. on a single hook, and all all pressure was on that on single one. Bam. Ripping it. Yep. Ripping it. And up. as soon as you switch over to, and if you, especially if you hook them in the soft tissue down the in the lower jaw or something, yeah, you could have stars like as long as the jaw itself, and and that doesn't happen. Or very rarely happens on doubles or trebles. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I and you, you, one thing that I always try to explain to people, but it's a, it's a, it's a lost, com- you know, it's a, you can't win this argument. Yeah. But sure. No. Okay. So let me give you this. In yeah. Iceland, one of the rivers, one of the rivers I guide in, you can see the bottom in ninety nine point nine percent of the river, and it's crystal gin clear. Yeah. You can see the bottom everywhere. There's a couple of holes where you can't see the bottom. Okay. We catch over ninety days. We catch approximately between two and three thousand fish. Jeez. Half of those are released. Let's just say average. Half of those are released again. So that's that's between one thousand and fifteen hundred fish are released, and these are all hooked on treble hooks. And and yeah, you know it's not it's and I can I, I know because I've seen it, and not all of these fish are always treated like keeping wet campaign. No. Okay. Yeah. Do you know how many fish I see dead in the river through a season? Not not many. Zero. Is it- Zero and and what happens about the other half? So that's half. What 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 happens to the other half? Of the oh, but there's a so 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 there's a size limit. Okay, so every fish that's over seventy centimeters, which is what 20, 25 inches or something, okay. twenty six inches, they have to go back. Yep. And then there's a bag limit on fish under. So you can keep you can keep a certain. But, and that's and again that comes from a, a person like myself that's not knowledgeable about the the runs. I mean, obviously the Clearwater is a good example for steelhead. I mean, the Columbia River has been really impacted, right? We're having really low returns. Are Atlantic salmon not are they much more um healthy uh, bigger populations that that you can still do that, I, I guess. I, I I get I don't know I mean yeah. that was, I was at this symposium last week and the 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 head the head man on the biological studies of Atlantic salmon in Iceland was there having a lecture yeah ever since they started doing their detailed studies on the the fish caught in total uh, in Iceland that was back in 1974 wow the catches have been steady around forty something thousand a year. No kidding. So, so it's just yeah, it's been steady. Yeah. So I mean, there's been years where it's been better and years yeah. where it's been worse. And, you know, it goes up and down. That's sure. the way it is. And but it's been pretty much the same. There you know, you there's. Go. So, so I guess that the management of the river, but more and more rivers since 1974. Back in those days, they would allow worm fishing, and there was spinning and yep. killing everything, and sure. you know. But today, where most of it is catch and release, or definitely, or or, or at least the back limit, and 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 uh, and and only fly fishing and stuff, yeah. right? So, yeah. But so, so the population might have gone down a little bit, but also we see that 
I mean, we did a we did a tagging program in one river where the the return, you know, the the, the approximately half of the fish took the fly again. <laughs> and that might not be for all rivers. There sure. was only this one river, uh, but it definitely. So catch and release increases your number of fish caught. So maybe the salmon stocks are decreasing in Iceland, but it. The catches has been steady. Yeah, and it's still much better than probably anywhere else in the world, right? I mean, if you compare yeah, it to I mean, Scotland, is pretty bad, and yeah. Ireland's pretty bad. Norway yep. is not what it used to be. But then again, Denmark, we have amazing salmon That's... fishing. We set new, we set new records every year. No kidding. Know? So, so you, when you were a kid, like you at the start of the show, you talked about how there were no salmon, and now there's more salmon than when you were a kid. Oh, absolutely. I mean, back in nineteen, back in the mid nineties, they found because they did it. They they found some scale samples from the nineteen twenties uh, at a museum, and they did a DNA study on them, and then they compared them with a with a tiny little run of fish oh, that cool. went into a tributary to one of the rivers, and they turned out to be the original Danish salmon, which oh, was wow. no known to be huge, you know, very, 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 very big salmon. <clears throat> and and uh, they started a, a restocking program on these fish where only the right DNA material, every single fish for Brewster was DNA material, yeah. uh, DNA test. And uh, today we have a genetically pure strain of Danish salmon in most of our rivers. Wow. And, uh, and, and even uh, my home river here, 20 minutes drive from my house, they don't they don't release any more smalts or anything. It's all natural production. That is cool. That's really, really, really fantastic. And you know, last year we had a fish that was one meter and thirty, which is what four feet and four whatever feet. that is. Jeez, four, four feet or something, right? Holy a couple cow. of years ago a couple of years ago there was one meter and forty something, so that's almost five feet, right? Yeah. You know, so so those fish were known to be huge. You know, there's a lot of fish, twenty pounds and over yeah. twenty pounds caught every year. You know, yeah. And especially especially this summer, it was crazy. You know, fish had to be forty <laughs> pounds. You mentioned right? Wow. Uh, they, it was amazing. You know, they, and it's absolutely a fantastic story. Uh, it took a lot of work, not only from the government and the biologists, but also you know, mo- most of this is made by farmers and volunteers. Hmm. That see that see a future and an interest in in uh, rebuilding the small tributaries and then opening up the small tributaries for for migration exactly. and spawning. All that. So so it's all done by and, and and the good thing about this in Denmark is that most of it is actually association water. So it's 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 fairly. I just got my I just got my uh, my license here today or yesterday. Actually, I had to have to pay my. Oh. My license next year for for my river here, and that's like, let me do the math here. It's like three hundred dollars. Yeah, or something. so you can get a license. So there is no, it's not. So you anybody can go get a license and fish it. Yep. Yep. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yep. There you and go. my year license three hundred dollars. Yeah, compared to over in the other parts of Europe, which would be much different, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But that also means there's a lot of people. Yeah, you I, get a lot of pressure. So, so it's both good and bad. You know, Iceland, Iceland is uh, is different. There, the amount of rods per river is decided by uh, the amount of river and the number of fish caught over the last ten years average. So it's controlled by the government how many rods can be in a river, even though the rivers are private. Yeah. Okay. So, 
So that limits the uh, the amount of rods there. So, hmm. so and that puts the price up. So, but I mean, you can't have a limited number of rods and then have it cheap. That's you know that's the way it is. Yeah, that's the way it is. Cool. Now this has been fun. We're uh, going off, and you know, I mean, there's so many topics. Uh, you know, we could dig into. I I wanted to bring it back. You know, again to the um, you know, just kind of the Scandi stuff is. You know, we kind of think about wrapping this up here. Are there any other tips when you think, I mean, I'm just, again, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get out on the river. I'm going to maybe get a, a new line that's more of the Scandi style line that I used to have and start working on it. You know, when I'm doing that single spay, you know, are there any other tips you'd throw out there? I, I know, I think other ones that I've used for Skagit style that have helped, like, you know, not gripping the top hand, you know, with your, you know, kind of keeping an open circle around are there any things like that that would help me do do better yeah absolutely i mean you should when you cast a spay rod you should hold it with two fingers <clears throat> just a ring front grip with two with your with your index finger and your thumb at the top grip yep keep and the loose. same around the, and the same around the butt section oh the same around the butt the, too the butt. yeah so you put it on your on your what you call that one that you that you show people you dislike oh the middle finger <laughs> the middle finger that's so right you, so you put it on that one then you fold your index and your uh, index finger and your thumb around the, the the butt section there and then adjust the ring fond grip around the the top uh, a cork and then if you should be able to cast that way and not use your top hand neither pulling or pushing when you're casting yep if you have to do that it's either because your line or, I mean even though you have the technique right, if you have to use your top hand to push or pull, it's either because your line is too light or it's because it's too heavy. Oh, okay. Because then, so what was what I was talking about is how the rod is supposed to bend easily with the right uh, line weight on it. Yep. Right? So if your line is too light or it's too heavy, you have to move the line or you have to load the rod because the line is too light. That's right. Right, so uh, <clears throat> so so that's basically the idea, and then never dip your rod tip when you build your D loop. Oh, okay, never never dip your rod tip. Exactly. Yeah. So and always keep it the same at the same angle as you're moving through. Yeah, because we the the difference between the single spay and the underhand is that we don't anchor fly line. Oh, you, well, you don't anchors, but you so the, when you set your D loop up, there's no anchor up on the water there. Yes, but not by fly line. We fish. I my oh, stand, right. my standard leader is seventeen feet plus. Oh, Jesus, pivot. there you go. So it's your leader. Your leader is your anchor. Yep. Okay, seventeen. And foot. that opens up. That yeah, that loop has some the best. And I, that's normally when I'm talking about this, and I, I do my casting clinics. I only the only thing I ever draw out here to say, okay, you can't get this better from any anybody else is the tapered leaders. Yep. <laughs> So they make and, and I, loop has they, good, yeah. Best, the tapered leaders is by far the best. Fifteen for the lightweight rods and seventeen for the heavier rods. Wow. So, and that that's because that's your anchor. And if you don't anchor fly line, you can put that anchor wherever you want to. You can put it in front of you, which I love. I love to tease Simon when I'm when I when I do demos with him about the bloody L. Yeah, you know, because the bloody L for me is like wonderful. You know, I love the bloody L. I mean, I I love to put my anchor square in front of me and cast across it because that by doing that I don't have to you know I can I can reduce my D loop size and, and all that kind of crap which you yeah. cannot do if you're anchor fly line or you use polar leaders polar tips is something the devil made on a rainy day 
Oh, oh the, the, the poly, the poly tips. Yep. Oh, so you don't like the, the poly, the poly leaders. Oh, I mean, from a fishing perspective, yes, but from a casting perspective, absolutely not. That's right. Cause the poly leader is, so basically again, I used to, with that line we're talking about, I think it was the airflow Scandi line. You would have that and then you could throw on the funny thing about that line is, is that I know you could throw on the poly leaders on and stuff, but you know what I always used to do? And I love that line so much that I, I broke out, you know what I mean? I just wore the line out, but I would not put anything on the line. I would just put a little six foot, um, short, cause I like short leaders. I'd put a little six or seven foot short leader on right on the end of the, right on the end of the Scandi line. And I'd fish that. Do you think that yeah. was a, a bad move? Yeah, but I'll, it, no, because it always, so <clears throat> it also come down to you fishing mono, mono run line. Yep. Or, yep. or no, so, no, on this, um, let's see. No, and actually on that one, I, let's see, I wasn't at the time. I was just using some typical braided Dacron, I think. But that was back as in the day. Line. That was when I was, I, I didn't know really what I was doing. That was like early on. I was kind of. Okay. Well, but it's the same thing, you yeah. know. It, it, so, so the friction on your leader. So leave out the, leave out your shooting head here or your belly, right? Yeah. So, so the friction from your fly and your leader is supposed to match the friction of your running line. Okay. What do you mean by, so I friction of your line, your leader on the water versus the running line? No, 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 no. no. It flies out when. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Friction in the air. Yeah. So you have a friction from the combined fly and leader. Yep. That's, that's a friction from the air and weight from the fly, right? Yep. That has to be a tiny little bit smaller than the friction from lifting your running line off the water and that running line, you know, lifting it up in up through the rings and out, right? Yep. That has to be matched towards each other. So if you fish a, a something a, a, a very light and very thin running line that has very little friction, you have to shorten down a leader. Okay. So that's what we do when we fish sinking lines. When I fish a floating line on my Scandi, Scandi style, I always fish coated running lines. Okay. Okay. So yep. that coated running line can be 0.029 or, or of an inch, right? Or 0.032 of an inch or 35, depending on <clears throat> what line weight I'm casting. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I go to sinking lines and I only need my four or five foot long leader, I switch to mono running lines. Okay. Because then the then the leader matches the running line. The, oh, gotcha. friction. the friction. Yep, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot I think we can unbox here. We're uh, you know <laughs> the the more we did, well, we'll have to you know maybe uh, maybe down the line. You know, I talk a lot about this, but uh, you know we can get you back on if I, I get more questions. And as I get, you know, I think I need to get out there and do a little more practicing. And you know, again, get back to the stuff. I know we're not going to dig into necessarily the. Um, you know, companies and stuff, but I think it would be helpful if somebody knew, if they knew nothing about scanning lines, like what line do they get? Would you just recommend they go into their local fly shop and just talk to them? Or do you, or is there some other resource? You know what I mean? I'm trying to get to that point where if somebody doesn't know anything about this, they just want to get out there and get a scanny line and a rod and reel. What would you recommend to help them get started? Uh, that's a, I mean, <clears throat> so uh, I'm not trying to say anything wrong here and I'm not trying to, uh, uh, be cocky or anything, but yeah. and and don't misunderstand me. But uh, do we need a lesson? We need to get a no, I'm not, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to put it the right way here. Yeah, and and this is based upon my experience and my yeah uh, my travel around the U.S. And I'm not 
I don't know everything. And sure. I don't. I haven't met everybody. And there's definitely uh, like line speed Jedi stuff yeah. that understands the yep. the stuff, right? But but most companies in the U.S. is not making Scandi products. Right. Yeah, they don't quite get the. Yep. No. Not, so if yep. you want to buy a Scandi product, buy a Scandinavian brand. Yeah, which is what? What are the so Loop is a Scandinavian brand. Who else is a Scandinavian brand? There's there's Loop Guideline Vision. I don't know if Vision is available on the on the U.S. market anymore. There were a few years ago. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um. So they are basically the three major Scandi. So that's brands. it. So basically, you got those companies are the big the big companies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there you go. So if I wanted to get a loop and I, so, so if I wanted to get a loop Scandi line that does what we're talking about here, you know, this, yep. what, what would be the line? What would be the model? If it's I called had, a GDC line at the moment. What, that was the one you mentioned. What was it? GDC. Okay. And would I match that up GDC. with a, could I match that up with a, would I always match it up with a, a heavier, like more of a 13 foot eight weight or longer, or could you go? Short? Oh yeah. But they, they come in six, seven, eight, nine and 10 weights. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have that, a, you know, so you have the options of, uh, yeah. And, and, and for me, a fly line is, is, it's never, it's never a fly line coming out of the box. You might have to adjust it to whatever you're doing. Whatever you, and whatever so, rod and you're, and if you're a six foot six or six foot eight person, you're going to be different than a six foot tall person. Right. Yeah, but it's not so much that it's okay. as it is. You know, I, I especially the GDC lines. I often cut down from the front a little bit. You know, so I I pick one line weight heavier, but cut a little bit of the front taper off because they have a rather long front taper. So you can easily adjust them from the front. Oh, okay. You know, so but I mean that's uh, that's why we have people like Shane and Gary in Idaho. You know, they know all about they this know stuff. It. Okay, so that there's uh, your, there's your resource. So we could, yep. they're they're lo- more local, right? We could connect with mm. them and maybe f- a- answer questions like this. Yes, exactly. And then, of course, I'm working on a brand new series of of, of lines that uh, actually with Rio. They're just down the road from yeah, our. Oh, yeah. Strip. yeah, yeah. So. Uh, oh, you're working new- with Rio to 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 put some new stuff together. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So so Simon do, Simon does get it a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm not working with Simon. Oh, I'm okay. Working with <laughs> oh, gotcha. So yeah, no, 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 no. It's 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 an interesting uh, it's an interesting uh, uh, yeah, dynamic venture. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they they think differently than we do, and oh, yeah. so it's quite interesting. And they start getting you know it's cool. what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's cool. You know, from the outside, I, I still consider myself kind of outside of the industry a little bit. You know, I've been doing this quite a while, but, but, you know, I see again, like loop, you know, it's been pretty cool. You know, I think yeah, I see them as kind of this outsider, obviously they're coming over, but it seems like they, they've got some stuff figured out. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously Rio's local here and airflow. Well, airflow is not local though, right? They're, they're a, um, what's no, they're, 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 they're based in the UK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're a UK company, but, but they almost feel, maybe that's because they have such a connection to echo, but they almost feel local out here because so airflow that the names use, you know, a lot of people use airflow over here. Yeah. But yeah. they, but that's been a, yeah, that's a company from the UK. That's definitely made a, a good, you know, a good, because uh, of Echo. what's that? Yeah, because of Tim Rajiv. Yeah. Oh, is, it, is that right? Is Tim, the, Tim's the reason. Yep. There you go. So Rajiv is the, yeah, Rajiv is, and he's on my list of, I uh, haven't uh, had him on the show yet, but I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm putting the word out there that I'm going to, I want to get him on here. I want to hear the story for, you know, 
his whole story. Yeah, yeah, no, no, so. he's a great guy. Yeah, he's cool. a great guy. Cool. All right. Um, well, this uh, this has been awesome. I mean, we we've kind of been all over the place, and I think that's what I enjoy. <laughs> I, I, I a lot of people, I think some people maybe don't like it, but I love being all over the place because it seems like you know we just open up a bunch of topics that you know we could chat about later. Um, yeah. Before we get out of here, do you have any? Well, l- l- let's start with the, the rapid fire. I got a little quick. Do you have a few more minutes for a little rapid fire round? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah, just sure. a quick little. I got a little few hey. questions, a little random questions to ask you. And, and one of them I always started off with is I call it the two twenty two, and it's your your top two tips, top two uh, flies, and top two resources. And we've kind of been talking a little bit about Atlantic salmon and steelhead, but you know, could you pick a couple of flies for? Um, I guess what would you rather say, steelhead or salmon? What 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 would you say if you had to pick two flies? Does it matter to you? Or would you use? Are there any flies you could use for salmon and steelhead? Well, a green bot will work for both. Green oh. bot is a great salmon okay, fly and a steel will. fly. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 blue charm. And the blue charm. I fish a lot of blue charms, both for Atlantic salmon and steelhead. Okay, there you go. That's a, that's a good one. That's one I haven't I haven't used that much. That's that's sweet. That's a good fly, and it's easily tied with a with either a rock chuck wing or a silver tib tibbet squirrel. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Silver squirrel. Exactly. Yep. Tie. Do you like to tie your flies? Do you tie them really sparsely, more sparsely, most of them? Depends. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it depends what, where I'm fishing. For Iceland, they're super sparse. Yeah. Uh, and, and even though I, t- I fish a lot of sunray shadows for Atlantic salmon, and some are bulky and some are slim because uh, it depends on the rivers. There's one river in particular where they like the sunray super slim for whatever reason. I can't explain it, but that's the way they like them. Yep. If they're too bulky, they'll just boil on them and they won't see them again. Oh, wow. So – I don't know. I'm yep. not trying to pretend that I know everything, but that's just the way it is. Yep. Yep. Cool. <laughs> okay. So there's, there's two flies. And then if we think yep. about, uh, top two tips and, you know, I guess we can maybe keep it on, uh, maybe we just talk about some tips for, for steelhead again, maybe the same thing, steelhead and Atlantic salmon. Could you say a couple of fishing tips that you would provide somebody that help them find some or get into some fish? Um, cover as much water as you can. Okay. And, 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 you know, for me, it's all, I hardly never change my fly. I mean, I fish the same fly because I believe there's always a dumb fish out there. Yeah. You know, you just find a fly you believe in and fish it and fish and then just cover water. Exactly. That's the way to do it. Yep. Yep. How, how similar are, you know, we talk a little bit about that, the similarities between summer steelhead and Atlantic salmon. Are, you are know, it's lot, the same thing. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's probably that's probably why I fell in love with the clear water because it's it's tr- traditional what you call the grease line fishing right yep floating lines and long leaders and single hook yep. you know traditional spray patterns and whatever right that's a- and 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 so so it's so close to what I you know the, the salmon fishing that I know it, despite that most salmon fishing in Scandinavia now is done with sinking lines for whatever reason oh it is <laughs> yeah un- unfortunately you know. Yep. Because there's no other fish in this world that are happier to come up and grab a fly at the surface. I mean, in Iceland, most of the fish, not most of them, but a lot of yeah. the fish we catch, <clears throat> we skate, uh, you know, micro hitch. Oh, yeah. Hitching. hitching. Single hooks or micro tubes. You know, we skate them on top and they'll come up and eat it. And, you know, and, and, and when I grew up, my salmon fishing in Norway was all done with floating lines and you saw every single fish. And now people, they're throwing sinking lines at them. Wow. And it's. It, 
It's well, terrible. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Why this thing? I guess maybe. Yeah. It seems like the Atlantic salmon are known to come up, right? That just like the summer steelhead. Yep. Exactly. And I, I don't know why. I think it's partly tradition. And uh, you know, the the tradition has changed from being now you have to fish them with the sinking line because otherwise you won't catch them. You know, so no nobody believes in a floating line anymore. Yeah. And then there's another reason as well, and that's the fishing pressure. Oh. Yeah, right. So, they see a lot of people, so they, they hunker down. But not only that, if you throw flies that are too big, and when I say too big, it can be anything. You know, a, a fly that's a size 8 can be too big in certain places. Yeah. And and so I've seen this because the I, I've been – I've watched Atlantic salmon for 18, 19 years now in Iceland in crystal clear water. So I've seen how they react to flies that are too big. Yeah. And they, they get scared. They might not move, but they're spooked. Yep. And they won't come again if you throw a big fly at them. So you can okay. imagine in a public, public water, like most rivers are in Sweden and Norway, there's just an un, maybe not unlimited, but way too many rods on a section. Yeah. <clears throat> and just one of them, just one of these rods splashes around or throws a big fly at them. You That's know, they, they're, not, they're not coming back up to a floating line again. Yep. That means that everybody has to fish deep. Huh. <clears throat> that's that's my point. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not saying it's hundred percent correct. But yeah, yep. That's that's what everybody's thinking. They're thinking, yeah. There's just people are putting the fish down, and they got to yep. get down to them. Absolutely, and I, you know, because all the water temperatures stuff there is old. Is old, you know, stories. Yeah, it's all some they believe them back in the days. Do you get, I mean, I know over here, like steelhead, especially summer steelhead, you know, you get to that point where you're like, you know, you know, new fish are going to move in the next day or the next night, you know? So you're like, okay, I'm going to get out there early and I'm going to be there when the new fish come in. Is Atlantic, is it the same thing with salmon where they're, you know, the next morning there's new fish rolling through all the time? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's, yeah. The, the thing with um, Atlantic salmon is that, and I guess it's the same with steelhead. Uh <clears throat> Um, I mean, so let, let put it this way: in Iceland, it's different because when the salmon is running, it's daylight twenty four hours. Oh, right, yeah, that's right. So, but it's it, it's more to do with the air temperature. So, if the air oh, temperature right. is too, you know, if the if the air te- in Iceland, especially, you got the air temperature coming off the mountains. Oh, it's uh, cold. It's really it's pretty cold. cold. And then you have the water temperature being higher, and then the fish won't eat. So then- is that so? That's true. I, that, that's a good. I mean, my dad used to tell me that. We're on with steelhead too. The summer steelhead, where yeah, if, if the water temperature or if it's air temperature is colder than the water, then the fish aren't going to come up as much as if it was the opposite. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. You think that's true? Absolutely. And yeah. if you hammer them, if you start hammering these fish when they're not willing to come up and eat your fly, the only thing you do is spook them. Yeah. So. so- Okay. So we actually we actually start, you know, because in Iceland, by law, you can only fish 12 hours a day. And it oh, has wow. to be put in. And you can't fish between 3 o'clock in the morning and 7 o'clock in the morning. So there's four hours during the night where you're not allowed to fish. So you can, you can place your 12 hours between 7 o'clock in the morning. And so what we do is we – most rivers will start at 7 and fish till 1. And then there's a lunch break and then yep. you fish from 4 to 10. Perfect. Two times six hours. But most rivers nowadays have moved. So instead of fishing six hours in the morning, you only fish five hours. So if we push that, instead of starting at seven, we start at eight because eight. we realize that starting at seven, the temperature is still Too so early. low. 
spook most fish before you actually there you go before they become active right? there you go yeah and in the and then in the summer or well in the evening the water the temperatures warmed up or the the air temperatures warmed up more is that the case yep yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. so but sometimes the same thing happens there the last hour from nine to ten when the sun disappears behind the mountains and you get this cold wind coming off the hills, you know, then the same thing happens. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. You might waste an hour in the evening where nothing is going on and nothing is going to happen. But <clears throat> they, get, they get from 10 o'clock in the evening to next morning at 8 to, to calm down, you know, and, and, and rest. You know, usually rest the rivers all night. So, yep. so people they waste an hour throwing. It, only, if the, only if the air temperature drops. It doesn't always drop in the evening. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's right. If it's okay. All right. Well, I think we're about there. Um, you know, in the next uh, six to 12 months, or anything new uh, coming up with you or, or loop or anything you want to let us know that's, uh, you know, this, this year? Yeah, there's uh, <clears throat> now we released the, the heptagon, the seven X rods. <clears throat> there's okay. a, a small addition coming to that new nine weight, nine foot nine weight. And then there's some of the, the cheaper. Q rods. There's some some additional lengths coming out there, and mm-hmm. in addition to the NXT rods as well, some longer, lighter rods, especially especially meant for the steel heading. Oh, cool! You know, like thirteen foot six weights up to fifteen foot eight weights. There you go. So, so real clear water rods coming now. Yeah, yeah. And and what's a good <laughs> if you had to recommend a good loop, um, a good steelhead reel? Do you have a model? I I my Personal uh, steelhead reel is the Speedrunner. The Speedrunner, okay. speed, Speedrunner. It's it's one of those that looks like a the old traditional. Yeah, but it's like huge, large arbor, right? Oh, so it yeah. almost looks like the rim on your on your, on your boat trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's humongous. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, it's 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 it's. <clears throat> um, it looks weird, and, you know, but but playing fish on them, it's it's. I don't like playing fish on on small arbor reels because the no. fish they they. they but work, it's yeah. funny because the the larger arbor, the calmer the fish are. You know, I hardly never see my backing. Oh no, kidding! Mm-mm. Oh right, wow, that's interesting. So it's just because they feel the the smoother the smoother reeling. I think I I think so. Yeah. And you can keep up with them when you reel in. And I never have fish going bazookas on me. You know, I yeah. And I my last. The biggest fish I caught in Iceland was probably 28 pounds or whatever it is. Jeez. Never, never seen my backing. <clears throat> no kidding. That's, so that's, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, it's my feeling, and this is the same thing I hear from other people using the reel. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah, if they want to find you, we mentioned at the start the uh, Facebook. Um, they can find you there. Yeah. Just search your name. Yep, exactly. Okay. And then yeah. – uh, yeah. Otherwise, you got my email. Yeah. Yeah. I got your email. Great. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I think we've I've, I've had fun <laughs> digging into some of these topics. We've uh, we've we've been you know like we said it's been all over the place and uh, you know kind of the way I like it. So uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and sharing you know all the kind of the history and the tips and knowledge and everything. So maybe we can catch up with you you know in the next um, spayclave or whatever. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And if you ever want to come out and fish, just let me know. Yeah. I'll, I'll t- 
That's right. That was the one question. You know, the the Iceland definitely is the bucket list. So if I ever uh, get the money together to to make a trip or whatever, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll connect yeah, with yeah. you. So, okay, or great. Clearwater. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. Are you going to be the Clearwater? Is that something still? I guess. That, yeah. Hopefully, it's open this year, right? We hope so. Well, they open reopened it again, right? The first of January. Oh, they, they did. Need the- they need the uh, license money. I oh guess. wow! So they reopened it, right? They closed it for the summers, but that was that was only a few months ago. Or back so in they the... opened first of they well they closed it what twenty ninth of September, right? Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, I don't even, I don't know exactly. Okay. Yeah, uh, and then they had the salmon season running until fifteenth of October, and then the river was closed until first of January. Uh, okay, so you typically head out. When when do you typically head for? Do you, do you stay in Idaho for a while? Yeah, I normally get out there around first of October and then um, oh, okay. or late September. Yeah, so depending on what I've done in in Iceland, you know. And this year I had to, I had to after Iceland, I flew straight from Iceland up to uh, east coast of Canada, up in Labrador, and did some fishing with the owner of Luton. Oh, cool! Who's and the... so I had to get home and get my stuff done, and you know. Yep, gotcha. Okay, well, I'll I'll, I'll let you know. Um... Yeah, I'll just keep in touch with you and check back with you. I'll let you know well, when this episode good. gets ready and, and gets out there. Yeah. It should be good. Well, so, Okay, good. Well, we'll, we'll catch you yeah, soon. Man, thanks. All right, thanks. Thank you, man. Thank you. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 127. We're heading to Mexico this year. It's been a while for me, and uh, I'm pretty stoked to uh, be heading down with a few of the uh, wet fly swing community. If you're interested in a trip to La Pescadora, I'd love for you to uh, come along on the trip. Go to wetflyswing.com slash Mexico for more information or send me an email at dave at wetflyswing.com. Thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I am looking forward to catching up soon. Hope to maybe see you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.